This is the night sky in October. You can find this podcast on the Sydney Observatory blog www.sydneyobservatory.com slash blog. My name is Nick Lom. I'm Curator of Astronomy at Sydney Observatory. This describes the night sky in October. To become familiar with the sky, go outside on a bigger, nice, clear night when there are no clouds and preferably a night when there is no moon or at least the moon is not uh, not completely full because that blots out the night sky. It's also helpful to have a red torch and you can create a red torch by just putting a, uh, some red cellophane in front of an ordinary torch. A red torch helps because uh, red light does not destroy your adaptation to the dark. So if you uh, so you can look at the sky map and watch the sky at the same time. You can obtain a sky map also from the Sydney Observatory blog www.sydneyobservatory.com slash blog. Every month there is a new sky map available for downloading and it makes a very good companion for listening to this podcast. Let's start off our guide to the night sky in October by uh, looking towards the west and lower down we can see the constellation of Scorpius, the Scorpion. This is uh, one of the favourite constellations of the Australian winter sky but as we're moving into uh, autumn we can almost say goodbye to Scorpius. This month is about our last opportunity to see Scorpius uh, for this year at least in the early evening. Scorpius is one of the few constellations in the night sky which are easy to find and it which actually looks like, with a little bit of imagination, um, what its name implies. The claws of the scorpion are down towards the horizon while the tail is up and a little bit towards the left, that is towards the south. The heart of the scorpion is the red star Antares and that's a giant star hundreds of times wider than their own sun. Its name, Antares, means in Greek the rival of Mars because of its red colour and because it lies very close to the ecliptic, the path that the planets take uh, take across the sky. So the, pla- so the red planet Mars can quite often pass very close to Antares and that course when it that does happen it is a magnificent sight having those two red objects close together in the sky. But as I said uh, Antares is a giant star if uh, it replaced uh, our own sun it would not only engulf the innermost planet Mercury but Venus and the Earth as well and even even Mars which is uh, the fourth planet from from the Sun and it would go quite some way into the asteroid belt the belt of uh, rocks in our own solar system that uh, circle the Sun between uh, Earth and Mars. Antares is a companion star it's a very hot star uh, and which is uh, a number of times about four times as large as our own Sun but by comparison with the giant Antares, it appears 
uh, appears tiny. They circle around each other, or really it's the smaller star, um, the very hot star, um, which circles around the main, the giant star Antares, and probably takes somewhere around 900 years to do so. To nobody has yet watched the two stars long enough, at least not through a telescope, for long enough to, uh, to be completely sure. Another interesting star in, uh, in Scorpius is a star named Shawla at the end of the tail, which is, uh, as I said earlier, it's uh, higher up than, uh, than the claws and Antares and a little bit towards the left, towards the south. And there is a star named Shawla. And that Shawla means sting in Arabic. It's a star... Uh, which describes, of course, it describes its position very nicely. Um, it's a star 700 light years away from us, that is light lifted 700 uh, years ago, and it's a fairly hot star, temperature somewhere around 20,000 degrees, and that's very hot. And just to, by comparison, the temperature of our own sun in, uh, in Celsius is uh, somewhere around 5,500 degrees. It is... Uh, binary star um, the astronomers can only detect this, uh, the fact that it is two stars by using a device called a spectroscope which divides light up from the components uh, light, divides the light up from the star into its components and then we can see um, dark lines crossing the spectrum um, of each star and by having the two sets of lines and they move with respect to each other we can tell that it is a binary star um, or a double star which astronomers call a binary and if astronomers detect it through a spectroscope it is a spectroscopic binary and in this case they take about six days to move around each other. Above Scorpius and fairly high up in the sky you find another very well-known constellation of constellation of Sagittarius. The stars are nowhere near as bright as the stars of Scorpius, but it is still a fairly obvious and well-known constellation. The name Sagittarius comes from the Greek, means the archer, but to many people it's also known as the teapot. And this is uh, actually a very apt description, because uh, once you know how to look at it as a teapot, it's actually very obvious and it looks very much like a teapot. And the way to look at it is that the three stars lower down, which is the stars towards the west, form the spout of the teapot. While the three stars towards, uh, and that sort of overlapping group of stars, not necessarily different stars, but the three stars towards the right, that is towards the north, form the lid of the teapot. And the four stars at the top, that is towards the east, um, form the handle of the teapot and just mentioning one star in the teapot which is the brightest star there in the handle um, it's a star more or less towards the north this time of the year it's a star called Namki and that's a Babylonian word which apparently means the star of the proclamation of the sea and I can't think of a nicer name for a star and the star of the proclamation of the sea. Now, it sounds fairly mysterious, but it's not. It presumably refers 
to the other constellations of the zodiac. We can see if uh, you look higher up or if you turn around and face east and we can see Capricornus almost above us, Aquarius um, which you see fairly high up when looking towards the east and Pisces which is the Pisces meaning the fishes which is low down in the eastern sky and uh, these are all constellations uh, of the zodiac and they're all related to water so that's why Nanki in uh, Sagittarius or in the teapot is uh, Babylonian known as the star of the proclamation of the sea one interesting uh, fact about Sagittarius which is hard to see even from, uh, from a city but it's fairly obvious in the country that it's, or at least it's relatively obvious from the if you see it from the country in a, on a dark night, that it is in the direction of the centre of our galaxy, that the Milky Way passes through Sagittarius and it's the densest and brightest part of the Milky Way. And looking deep into Sagittarius is the region towards the centre of the galaxy. Now, even from the country, from a dark spot, we cannot really see uh, deep too far in towards the centre because uh, there is just too much dust for ordinary light to get through but astronomers can use other kinds of light infrared light for example which can actually cut through the dust and see all the way to the centre of the galaxy and when they do that and people have been doing that and monitoring the centre for, for quite a number of years they see stars moving around the very centre of the galaxy um, and these stars are moving fairly fast around the center and from their motions astronomers can deduce the mass of whatever it is that they're circling around and it turns out they're circling around something very massive something like four million times the mass of our own sun and yet it cannot this object cannot be seen so the deduction is what we're looking at or what is at the centre of our galaxy is a black hole and that is established by uh, monitoring in infrared light the stars zooming around the very centre of our own galaxy in the constellation of Sagittarius. Now going to uh, another constellation of the zodiac which are the constellations that cross the line of the ecliptic to pass the planet's take to move around move around the sun and, and almost overhead we find uh, a constellation known as Capricornus the goat now this constellation is very hard to see because it's only made up of very very faint stars but it's an interesting constellation because uh, a few thousand years ago the sun was in this constellation at the time of the summer solstice at the time when it was further south for the year and that is why of course the Tropic of Capricorn was named Tropic Capricorn goes through the northern parts of Australia and that's the place in the southern hemisphere where the sun is overhead at uh, the summer solstice so basically that's the, as far south as the sun can be completely overhead and the Tropic of Capricorn is uh, 
named after this constellation of Capricorn. In fact, the proper name of the constellation is uh, Capricornus and it means the goat, or more precisely the sea goat. And that's why, as you mentioned earlier, Nunki in the Sagittarius is uh, called the star and the proclamation of the sea because it is uh, all the following uh, zodiac constellations are related to the sea. Just mentioning one star in Capricornus because it is a constellation made up of famed stars. It's a star at the eastern end of the constellation so that is uh, if, if you're looking towards the west and looking up at the west it's the star which is lower down and that star is called Deneb Elgadi. It's the brightest star of the constellation. It's 40 light years away. The light left this constellation 40 years ago. It's an eclipsing binary. That means it's made up of two stars that circle around each other and occasionally one star covers the other star. So we see the brightness of the star dim when we look at it through a telescope and measure its brightness. The reason I wanted to mention Deneb Algadi and the reason why it's such an interesting object is that the planet Neptune was nearby, was near this star when it was discovered back on the 25th of September 1846. Neptune has a period of 165 years to circle around the Sun. That means that it takes 165 years to move across the ecliptic and to do a complete circuit of the ecliptic. This is the path taken by the planets um, across the sky and over 165 years uh, Neptune has moved across all the con other constellations of the zodiac but now it's back in Capricornus um, constellation near where it was discovered in 1846 and it's nearby and in 2011 the planet is back exactly where when it was the, the place where it was discovered. Let us uh, move off the ecliptic so leave the constellations of the zodiac and move towards the north so let us look towards the northern sky and when we do look north an obvious constellation due north is the constellation of Aquila, the eagle. And this refers to an eagle that belonged to Zeus, king of the ancient Greek gods. Aquila is recognisable by a line of three stars. Um, the middle star is Altair, the brightest star of the constellation. And on either side there are two other stars, one above and one below. The one above is a star called uh, Alshane and the one uh, below is a star called Terezet. They Both of these are fairly unusual names, Alshane and Terezet, they both Persian names. Now the middle star, middle star of the three, Altair, is the twelfth brightest star in the sky. It's a hot white star with a temperature of 8000 degrees and it's relatively close to us, only 17 light years away. So light left it only 17 years ago. It's nine times brighter than the sun 
and it's notable because it spins very quickly around its axis and it turns every 10 hours so it spins around its axis every 10 hours and that is just a phenomenal speed for a large star our own sun for example takes 25 days to turn around its axis so it moves far more sedately than Altair because of this fast uh, spin Altair has a shape of a football which is what you'd expect that it would be distorted by this fast speed and the velocity of rotation is believed to be somewhere around 200 kilometers per second. Let us now face south and we find that uh, the Southern Cross is uh, fairly down, it's lying on its side in the southwest so that is if we're facing south it's on the right hand side on its side fairly down and the two pointer stars Alpha and Beta Centauri are almost directly above the cross. If we extend the Southern Cross towards the left, so the main axis of the Southern Cross, we reach a star called Echna. And that's the first bright star we reach over in the northeastern part of the sky. The name Echna means the star at the end of the river because it is the star at the end of a long constellation called Eridanus meaning the river it is the ninth brightest star in the sky at a distance of 144 light years from us it's again spinning very fast just like Altair in the constellation Aquila to the north and it's uh, believed that uh, it's, uh, it is even more distorted than Altair. Its mass is somewhere around six times the mass of the Sun or a little bit more than that. And astronomers in recent times have found that there's a belt of gas circling its equator. And this is just this gas has been thrown off by the very high speed of rotation of the star. Now if we go back a little way from Achenar back to uh, back towards the cross and this is an object that we can really only see from the country we find the small Magellanic cloud one of the companion galaxies to our own galaxy that uh, over 100,000 light years away maybe 150,000 light years away from us so it's a long long way from us it's very obvious from a dark spot in the country but from cities cities like Sydney Unfortunately, the sky is too bright, so we have lost the small and the large Magellanic clouds. But still, um, the small Magellanic cloud is back a little way back from Achenar towards the Southern Cross. From a city, we cannot see the small Magellanic cloud, but with a pair of binoculars, we can see a globular star cluster, one of the most magnificent star clusters in the sky. It is called 47 Tucani, and it was. Uh, discovered by Nicolas Louis de Lacalle, a French astronomer observing from uh, South Africa around 1750 and it is uh, the second largest and second brightest of these clusters and it's a globular cluster this is it's a spherical cloud of stars all circling around their center 
it like the other globular clusters in our um, galaxy circling around our galaxy it is composed of fairly old stars um, it's 13,000 light years away so light left this globular cluster 13,000 years ago and it covers if you look at it carefully with binoculars or especially from a dark sky it covers about the same width as the full moon does that is about half a degree and just finally let us uh, when in our survey of the sky in October let us mention a star called Formula and that is very high up it's a little way it's if you're facing south it's a little way towards uh, the left or towards the east and this is uh, a very bright and magnificent looking star it's a fairly bright star and it's relatively close to us it's only 25 light years away has a temperature 8500 degrees again com for comparison our own sun has a temperature of 5500 degrees it has a brightness or it, the amount of light that it gives off is something like 16 times as much as our own sun I should say formula is the brightest star of the constellation of, uh, of Pisces Astrinus or the southern fish and the name means formula means the mouse, mouse of the fish which of course refers to its position in the constellation but what is really interesting about formula that astronomers have found there's a disk of dust surrounding the star and that's of interest because uh, of fact of great interest because that is the way our own solar system is supposed to is uh, believed by astronomers to have uh, have become that when our own sun was formed there was material left over and a, a disk of gas and dust formed around it and that disk uh, eventually coalesced into the planets that we're familiar with in our own solar system so it's quite possible in the case of formula um, the dust disk as we can see is a forerunner of a solar system that is forming or will form eventually around the star this completes our survey of the night sky as seen in the southern part of the world um, in uh, October we will now talk about the position of planets and special events happening this month. You can find this uh, description of the night sky on the Sydney Observatory blog www.sydneyobservatory.com slash blog This is a description of uh, special events and the position of planets happening in October 2009. Of course, and this is just a reminder that summertime begins this month um, on the 4th of October, Sunday, 4th of October at 2 a.m. Um, in the eastern states. Um, we switch over to summertime and advance the clocks by an hour. Jupiter is the only naked eye planet that's uh, visible in uh, October 2009 
but the planet Neptune is nearby. It is also in the constellation of Capricornus. It is already back close to where it was when it was discovered on the 25th of September 1846. In two years time, 2011, it will be back exactly at that same position but already it's in the constellation of Capricornus and it's already near the star Deneb Algadi, the brightest star of the constellation of Capricornus, the goat. Neptune is relatively easy to find in with a pair of binoculars because it is near Jupiter. So it is worthwhile looking for Neptune and just noting that it is very close to where it was discovered and it has almost made a complete circuit of the sky since its discovery. And on the 27th of October, the gibbous moon, that is the moon that's uh, between uh, first quarter and full moon, is uh, directly below the planet. So that is 27th of October. I should mention that, uh, of course, it's very versatile looking at uh, Jupiter with a small telescope. If we if you look at Jupiter with a small telescope, you can see the bands of cloud that uh, crisscross the planet, and also its four moons, four moons which circle Jupiter. And these four moons are referred to as the Galilean moons, and they named Galilean moons after the Italian astronomer Galileo, who in first used the telescope look at the night sky in 1609 so this year is the 400th anniversary of Galileo looking at the night sky through a telescope that is why the International Year of uh, Astronomy has been declared by the United Nations for this year Galileo did not discover the moons of uh, Jupiter in uh, 1609 but in January 1610 he looked at Jupiter and he found there was these four little moons circling around it and that was a phenomenal discovery for the time because uh, at that period um, the accepted belief was everything revolved around the earth but here was proof that there were objects circling around another body in, the, in our own solar system this completes the description of planets and other events for October 2009 you can find the complete guide to the night sky at, on the Sydney Observatory blog www.sydneyobservatory.com slash blog you can also uh, obtain information in advance for the whole year in the Australian Sky Guide published by Fairhouse Publishing the 2010 Australian Sky Guide will be available in late October or early November. <laughs>